Okay, everybody, we're here for another episode of our Awe and Wonder AAC podcast, Another Perspective. And today we're looking at the topic of buy-in. So um, AAC buy-in in the school district setting, because we have two um, people joining us today from school district. And um, so I'm Sarah Kinsella joining- I'm Brenda Del Monte. Today. And oh, we're part on. of the Special Ed Tech Center. So today we've got April and Bernadette. So April, do you wanna go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure, hi, my name's April Whitecamp. I am a life skills teacher in Everett. Um, I have been in this current position a long, long time. Um, I think I counted out since 2004, I've been doing life skills in Everett. So I've, I did a, a three through five and now I'm doing K through five. You just can't get enough. Never, it's my world. <laughs> Awesome. So you have kindergarten through fifth graders in your class. Correct. I don't have any kindergartners this year. Uh, our district is trying to move back to a primary intermediate split model, but right now I have first through fifth in my classroom. Uh, maximum okay. of 10. Uh, I know some of us are going over, but that's our, our goal size. And April, in the past, I know you've had um, kids with that use alternative access. You have had some kids, uh, some iGaze users. What is their population look like right now? My population this year, um, I do not have any medically impacted kids. So I have all kids who are mobile. Uh, I use a combination of high-tech AAC, some low-tech AAC, which may include uh, PCS images. We all use core vocabulary. We use pod and we have some other things we use. And then I also have um, a young student who's got some visual impairments. So we are using tactile um, low-tech AAC symbols with her to help her indicate choices and, and do some communicating as well. Okay, well, we're probably going to want to hear a little bit more about that later. So, um, Bernadette, can you introduce yourself and what your role is in the district um, help, helping kids with using AAC? Yeah, yeah, my name is Bernadette Wen. I'm an SLP and I've been with the district for quite some time, um, since 06, and um but as an assistive tech person, I've been doing this for a few years now, um, following in your great footsteps, <laughs> you and Barb. Um, but yeah, just uh, I've been with the district kind of with um, a variety of age levels and programs from um, developmental, developmental preschool all the way to um, um, life skills. And then from, yeah, so preschool to high school. Um, but yeah. Awesome. I feel like there was one more question when <laughs> that you Well, had. okay. So you are the AT specialist for your district, along with um, your partner who's an OT. And then, um, yep. and so how does that look? You know, some districts have dedicated time for that. Some have um, like a stipend they'll give, and then some have none, right? So what does that look like for you? Do you have students you see as well? Or can you tell us a little bit about that? Do we have students what? Say that again. Like, do you have a caseload as well? Oh, right. No, um, I don't have a caseload. Um, but it, in the past, there was a caseload um, attached to the FTE um, historically. But um, now um, this is my second year as doing full-time assistive tech. Before it's just, it was just part-time, like three days a week. And then I was doing SLP um, at uh, the schools that I was assigned to. But our team itself, um, I'm, so I'm like the lead for our, our, our team. And then our OT is part-time two days a week. Um, and then we have an SLP assistant um, kind of helping manage the, the 
AT inventory and lab. Um, but with students, we, I mean, I don't have a caseload, but then we do um, a lot of collaborations or um, what we consider assessments. We go out um, to um, teams and then, you know, observe students and work with students. So like um, trying to get teams together um, in that sense, and then working directly with the student and do a lot of follow-ups or um, trainings. And so <clears throat> that in that sense, sort of have a caseload. And we do a lot of follow-ups for students that have very complex needs um, with multiple disabilities, um, students with cortical visual impairments and with their um, kind of setting them up with the team. And sometimes we have to do, um, we definitely follow the student from like, like preschool all the way up to high school because they've changed teams. Um, and mm -hmm. so we kind of uh, provide that training that we had done with the previous um, team and then kind of help the, the the next team and the at the next level if the student moves or goes on to the next level. It's a great that's, resource for all of us. Yeah, it sounds like it. And that's a nice reason to have a team because that's a really good point when there's transition and team staff members or kids move transition to different levels, there's somebody who's going to follow them. So, yeah, and exciting to see the, the growth in the students. Yeah, I bet. So Bernadette, I, I played your role in a school district in Washington at one point, and um, this particular episode is on buy-in. So I'm interested in finding out um, what, what has been successful for you in getting um, teachers to buy into using AAC. Yeah, that's definitely um, a topic <laughs> that's uh, kind of over the past uh, few years with me in this position, just kind of like a difficult thing to kind of figure out, you know, what are the strategies and ways I can help teams. But it seems to be that, of course, time is always a big factor. Um, and then access, I think, um, providing those when we go out to do the collaborations um, and having uh, pretty much calling the team together. Um, so having um, teams kind of sometimes they need that um, team perspective or like having everyone at the table um, and talking about the student and then providing strategies and then showing them um, doing a lot of modeling initially with that with even with the student you when know, I working with that student firsthand and showing like, okay this is how um, we are you know providing recommendations or whatnot but having them see that see it firsthand and then possibly providing um, follow-up training if they need it um, maybe if they need to um, sometimes they would call us like, oh, can we, can you come and kind of show us this? Um, this helped, but um, now I would love to see like the next step for that. Um, providing like maybe like tidbits of um, strategy. Sometimes I don't want to provide them so much like information at one time, but let's see like what can I give you that you can kind of take small bites with and then run with. Um, yeah, there's such a balance between Right. Like, here's everything you need to know and yeah. try this and let's meet back again and talk about how that went. Yeah, definitely. So there's that piece, like the showing them and um, giving little bits at a time. And then also for like, um, there was one thing that I, I learned last year, providing a PD for the core core vocabulary using the project core that um, and it was a PD where it was self um you kind of did the, the PD on your own time and then providing a lot of visuals. And we provided it to gen ed pairs as well and teachers, but kind of what helped with that is um, providing that self, um, like you can do it on your own time. Self-paced. Um, Self-paced, yeah, self yeah. <laughs> there's mm -hmm. that word. Um, and then providing them like 
um, an, an option to zoom in with um, those um, sessions where you can get clock hours to talk about what you just learned um, during those mm. like modules that they watched, you know, from Project Core and talking about it. What does that look like? You know, here's an example of what this might sound like. Um, what like we were talking about um, attributing meaning. What does that sound like and look like? So kind of like, what does it sound like and look like? It kind of helped them kind of like, oh, okay, this is what I could kind of use or say to the student, you know? Right. Um, so, so providing a lot of visuals and models and like practical kind of things to say and do. Yeah, I love that, having the examples. So for those who aren't familiar with Project Core, it's um, available as a free resource online. There's modules for implementing core vocabulary and um, all different strategies. Um, and so you've offered that to teachers and paras to do on their own, and then they can come together on Zoom. Did you get a good turnout for those Zoom conversations? Yes, like I think so. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing, too, was having um, the support of admins. Like, hey, you know, the communication of this PD, I think it's that that's a huge piece also. Um, kind of having the, the support of admins and not just your, your, you know, your directors, but like those facilitators, those that work directly with those specific like teams, like life skills and preschool and that kind of thing. Um, right. So yeah, we worked with like the, the facilitator that um, kind of sends out communication to paraeducators, like not just SPED Paris, but like all Paris. <laughs> so um, oh, that's yeah, point. communication is key. Um, but yeah, like visuals, providing lots of visuals and practical kind of strategies, I think, for them. And it seemed to um, have a good um, feedback, at least with paras, the gen ed paras and gen ed teachers wanting to like, hey, can we expand this to more teachers and whatnot? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that kind of thing. Um, so but you brought up a really good point about the admin, um, the buy-in. And I'm just going to hop over to April because... April, I know you've done some really kind of unique, at least unique to me, um, ideas of ways to get, um, to bring your admin on board to say, to to understand right. what you're doing in class and then also to get further buy-in and support. Yeah. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, there were a few things that I did and some of these are for teachers, um, but they work really well for teams as well. Um, Barb's gonna remember all of this because this is part of what she taught me years and years ago. We, uh, most districts have a learning improvement day. So we had learning improvement Fridays. And one of the things was we used our speech and language pathologist, which was Barb at the time. We were learning how to use POD and AAC. And one of the things that we found was everybody was a little hesitant to look dumb, to look like they didn't know what they were doing and to fumble through something. Now, I don't really care, but I know that there are people who do. So one of the things that we got permission to do was to provide clock hours. Um, and it was clock hours in the form of a series of courses that we did during our lift time. And it meant so that April, our team. Yeah. This is just your classroom. This is just my classroom. But, okay. Right. But we've also done it at the district level with um, book studies and other situations in which we found something that was really, really meaningful to us. Mm -hmm. um, we presented the, the reason or the rationale for, for why it was something that we wanted to work on. And very often I'll tie it to my TPEP goal. Especially so if I'm You're doing using some acronyms. Let's get so what's Sorry. your lift? What's lift time? Lift is learning improvement Fridays. That's the day that okay. we, the kids go home early and we can collaborate as teams. So I would use my learning improvement time. Um, and TPEP is our teacher evaluation system. Now, every paraeducator, at least in our district, also has to have a certain number of clock hours. And oftentimes, if they don't have to take a mandatory course like right response or de escalation training, they want something that's meaningful to them. 
in the position that they work in. The project core stuff, Bernadette, I had a few that weren't with me last year, but took it and are now with me this year. So good job on that one. Mm -hmm. um, but we were able to use a certain number of our learning improvement Fridays as a team. And this meant physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists, teachers, paras, any related services staff. Sometimes the specialists would come in, like my music teacher or our PE teacher would come in and admin could come in as well during these times. And we would practice. We would walk through scenarios. We would talk through different situations and we could do it hands on because there were no kids there. So we could then bring up scenarios with specific children. We could talk through it. We could ask for a model or we could have a conversation. And then that next week we could revisit, hey, you were talking about this. How would you do that? Um, and being the teacher in charge, it was my I felt it was my position to go first and to try mm -hmm. and get out there and model and be willing to kind of falter and not necessarily have it work every time. Mm -hmm. um, because if I'm giving myself permission to not look great at it, but try it, it meant that it was safe and nobody was going to say anything or, you know, that's never our goal. Our goal is to help the kids. And so which ways could we find ourselves in some, have some level of comfort or talk through mm -hmm. it with one another that we could then start trying. And we tried with baby steps first, and then we just got bigger and bigger as we went. And people's comfort level still changes. What I'm comfortable doing looks crazy to some people. Because I may sit down with three different tools and a story and work with a group of children. And there aren't many people that want to do that because they just don't think it through that way. You don't have to. I always feel like whatever you're willing to try is where I would like to start. And then if I'm able, I'll watch, I'll give feedback. People can ask questions just so we're all in the process of learning and getting better as we go. I yeah, like April, what you I, said. I walked in. Go ahead, sorry. Well, I've walked into April's class and she's doing 10 million different things um, using a student's high tech device, modeling with the core, doing this. And I'm an SLP walking in thinking, wow, OK, but I sometimes amazing, but I sometimes have an idea in my head of what I want to do or how I want to do it based on what I know about each AAC tool I'm using. I've been using pod as a classroom instructional tool and with kids for nine years. Um, and we, or more, and we started Cora a really long time ago too, that those are familiar. You know, we use read, ask, answer, and prompt pages that are specific to stories as well to help the kids have low tech and high tech. Um, and then in the last two years, I've also brought in chat editor. And so I utilize that one as well, even for the kids that don't necessarily have a student specific iPad or I have one in the classroom that I use and I take it back and forth with particular kids. So I'll just, pick something and try it. And if it works really well, I'll then model it for the teachers or the mm -hmm. paras in the classroom. Um, a perfect example, I have a student who's obsessed with the story Barks George. It's the story where George, the, the puppy, his mom's asking him to bark and he keeps making different animal noises instead. Well, anybody who's familiar with the touch chat should know that on the 42 cell level, there's a whole section where animals make noises. It says the animal and it says the sound. You want some buy-in, you pull that page up and you read that story and you give those kids the chance to make those animal noises or tell you which animal it is. And I, I did that on the fly last week and he loved it so much. We started doing it with every other kid in the classroom. And I got two kids who won't usually read stories with me that thought it was fantastic. Everybody wants to make animal noises. They do. It's, yeah. it, and it sounds really cool. So between using just that page and my handy dandy beat to tar pod, 
we were able to have a full conversation and talk about if we liked it um, and make animal sounds. And we sustained listening to a whole story. Yay! So, okay. I, you have so much, so many nuggets in there that I want to go into. Bernadette has to hop off because apparently you've got other things to do, right? <laughs> you've got people waiting to be trained and um, we appreciate you being here. Bernadette, do you have any um, anything else that you want people to know about AAC buy-in from your perspective of, as a district level? Yeah, I mean, um, I had kind of started with like, you know, showing um, teams and um, staff members like, uh, showing them and when we're coaching, we're doing, we're showing. And so like, and that I think, and we talk about that whole concept of presumed competence. And that's kind of like something that is hard for a lot of those that haven't heard about it. But like, well, I think when we show and we do, and we've kind of, sometimes I, I hate to like show like, okay, I have to show proof that, you know, this kid can do so much more. But I think that presumed competence is slowly kind of, I think a lot of people are starting to understand like, okay, when I provide those opportunities and just providing those appropriate tools and strategies um, and just instruction um, and then having them, um, those students that have access to those, um, they can, yeah, they can do so much. Um, but just that uh, the whole buy-in, I think definitely um, um, kind of making sure that they understand that piece too, the um, presumed competence. And, but then also how do you go about that um, as an AAC or AT um, specialist? Um, but um, doing the same thing I've, I can think keep doing is, um, I mean, I myself, I, I um, try to collaborate with as many um, people in the team, but just showing and um, demonstrating um, strategies and tools um, and whatnot. I don't know if I've answered that question yeah, well enough, but so the demonstration yeah. is a big is a big thing, and sometimes it's getting in there to demonstrate and and provide the opportunity for that student to shine, where yeah. everybody else can say, "Whoa, we want to keep doing this." And there was a huge <laughs> example too. Like, um, I mean, I, giving that PD with core, um, an SLP just went off, and um, she provided that visual. Um, a very um, kind of concrete visual for her paras and the teacher as well in the classroom where she provided like specific phrases to say to model the word give which was word of the week <laughs> mm -hmm. and so like like for leisure or specialist reading how does that look like and sound like this is what you can say and so what she challenged I think it was more of a challenge for the parents like how many times can you can you model it? And she gave clickers or those um, counters. Oh yeah. So a paraeducator did 149 um, modeling of give the whole week. And then they saw that the student in four different contexts was able to use the word um, give. <laughs> in, cool. um, different, so anyway, but um, so that piece, I think um, presuming that, yeah, the students can do it once we show and do things. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you got a little competition built in there. Too, yeah, right? I think there's that. Yeah, I'm gonna too. Get, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> that's maybe that's a good fun. way to do some buy and making it fun, that kind of thing. Yeah, what I'm what I'm hearing from both of you though is like basically recognizing adult learning strategies, right? Because we're the buy-in is actually it's a lot. It, the buy-in from the student is not that hard, right? If, if 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 you can get the animal sounds, if you if if Skittles are on there, right? Like you, it's not that hard to get the kiddo to see the value. Mm -hmm. It's the um, the adults though um, need some convincing for a couple of reasons. But I like what I'm hearing about your district because you're saying we provided some on-demand, meaning in your own time, in your safe space 
without people watching you, you can learn about this. Mm-hmm. And then um, you're, you, then you're saying, um, and then when we get down to practicing this, which is also required for adults to learn, um, nobody wants to be wrong or bad. And so April's going, I'm going to be, I'm going to do this because I don't know it. And I was always, I always felt like I did that too. Cause it was like, well, I don't know, but let me, tr- let's try. I don't know. Let's try. Cause I'm, I'm the modeling worst thing that. that's going to happen is it's, yeah. You know, I'm it, modeling it crashes know, and burns, or like, it's fantastic. That's what yeah, you get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I'm modeling, like almost being brave at trying something and not knowing how the kid's going to respond. No, and not knowing, um, how everyone's going to react. So many people are like, well, I can't find the vocabulary in there. Unless I know where it all is. I I can't use it until I take it home and spend a weekend on it. And um, that's just not the way you actually are going to learn it. You're actually going to learn it in the trench. You know what I'm saying? So I like how you guys are providing like different adult learning strategies so that depending on where people are in their journey, they can be brave, right? So if I'm not brave, I can do on demand. I can, I can learn the vocabulary. I can not be surprised by what this screen looks like or what this says or how things navigate. And then if I'm, once I'm feeling more comfortable, I can try this and I can try this in a safe space, which it sounds like you've provided. Do you guys talk about specific kids, specific strategies um, outside of the IEP too? With, within the team, we may talk about specific strategies mm-hmm. or specific students. Okay. Um, and the other thing that when I'm doing it is I'm also looking at management of materials because when you've got a, a couple of kids, if I'm going to try and put together a group or do something again, I'm going to try and go first, especially if it's one of my more challenging kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if they have a one-on-one, I'll pop in and I'll do it and mm-hmm. I'll model how to do it. The other thing I also tell staff, because I have almost all new staff over the last few years, a lot of the ones that worked with me for a really long time have moved on. I also let them know that part of the reason I, I appear so proficient is this, is this is how I've been for a very long time. Right. They will get there. They're in a different place in their journey in learning it than I am. And so we taught, we self-taught, I can't find it, try here, or I'll try and go a different pathway. Cause I, I, I look at learners differently. I look at, I may have pathway kids or I'll have exploration kids. Mm-hmm. Cause I've had kids who could predict where something was going to pop up in their AAC mm-hmm. and they didn't even look, they memorized the pathway. Mm-hmm. But then I also have had children who want to look and explore all yeah. of it. So I'll try different ways so I don't look like I know exactly where I'm going and what I'm doing because right. I'll fall into patterns. Right. I'm not teaching the kids different exploratory methods to find things. Yeah. And it helps others. So I don't look like I'm like, bang, 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 bang. I can slow it down by picking different things as well or talk through how I know where I'm finding it as I'm doing it. Right. Right. The other thing hey, I we're going to say, oh, we're saying, sorry, Brenda, we're going to say goodbye to Bernadette. Thank okay, you so thanks, much for Bernadette. joining us, Bernadette. Thank you. Mm-hmm. One, Go ahead, thing, Brenda. one thing I liked that about what Bernadette said was um, about presuming competence. And then I have been challenged on that. So it's like, well, I tell them to the find Apple and they don't hit it. So they're not competent. Right. So then, then I sometimes I say, well, let's presume potential and let's teach before we test. And we talk about this a lot. Um, and then the question is, well, isn't the purpose of an AAC device to demonstrate knowledge and meaning like basically like I'm going to have them 
I need to know that they know these vocabulary words, so I'm going to have them point to all of them. And I, I want to check this off the IEP goals that they that they have 10 nouns or they have 10 verbs. So um, I know my response is, well, it's a communication device first. And are we communicating our knowledge? Maybe. But if we're only using an AC for demonstrating knowledge, it is really hard to get buy-in because if they don't, if they can't find the word they've been asked to find, then we've already lost him in the presuming competence. Do you see? Uh, it's kind that's of also not That's not so, communication either. So how are you using it in in the context of communication versus that where many schools fall into that demonstration of knowledge? And if you don't do it, then we're then we're almost killing drill instead of communicating. I'm gonna model. If I'm using it, I can find it and I can demonstrate the accuracy. But that kid might want to talk about apples. They may hate, hate apples. They may, you know, want to talk about dogs or bears or whatever else. If I am going to go with Barb's favorite line in the whole world, it's not communication if I know what you're going to say. It's literally not. It's you. It's me drilling, killing, and telling you to find the vocabulary for me. You may want to tell me it's time to take a nap or to buzz off or that you don't want to do this right now. Those are all sincere forms of communication. And if you want to tell me no, okay, I'll give you 30 seconds and I'll come back and I'll say, now let's try this instead. Or I'll offer, doesn't seem like you want to do this. Do you want to try a different thing instead? I can still utilize the tool, but there's a level of our kids need some control. They need some choice. And if they're only showing me where to find the words, but there's no sincere point in finding them for a conversation, or we're eating apples, or we're painting apples, or we're doing other things with it. And again, that's not communication. That's just, I know how to find Apple in the, in the iPad or on my pod. So you what ways, does that do for me? Do you have ways um, to, to have kids demonstrate knowledge separate from AAC? Meaning I know that you use high tech, high, high tech and low tech. So what do you, what are you doing regarding the demonstration of knowledge? And, and do you give kids choices? Do you want to tell me on your AAC or I have this low tech thing or how are you doing? I, that? I have all the things I have all, most of it sitting out all the time. The kids have a core vocabulary board taped to their desks. They're stuck all over the classroom. We've got pods throughout the room. And then I've got multiple AAC devices. Plus then I have chat editor open and on my big touch screen most of the day. So the kids can come up and tell me, or if I see somebody doing something, you know, somebody's flailing on the floor, they're yelling at me and hitting things. That's a great way to ask if they're, if they want to tell me something. Um, and I, I go back to another really phenomenal story that I remember Sari was in the classroom to watch one time. And I had a young lady years ago, she'd get really, I thought it was mad because she'd huck things and she'd toss the desk and she'd scream. And so one day, and I think I was using, we were reading a story, weren't we, Sari? Yeah. And I was using I was like, about this. I was using a, a rap board to read a story, which is just low tech. And this is for the kids to tell me about the story while I'm reading the text. And I remember she flung something and yelled. And I said, I have something to say. It looks to me like you're feeling. And I gave her what I thought, not what she was feeling, but what I thought she was feeling. And she stopped. She looked at me and she went, because I said, Matt, and she said, sad. And she was done throwing. She was done mm -hmm. with those things because she had had the chance to say, I'm really not liking this right now. Yeah, and, and you were I, acknowledging her. I was acknowledging. And it doesn't take a whole lot when you start with something like that to get a little bit of buy-in. And then they can, they can touch the picture version. They can say it. And Brenda, your question about how else I make sure kids have the opportunity. If I'm doing drill and kill, they just have simple, P, sing, single PCS images that relate to the drill and kill. 
I don't always put it in the device. I will pull the device or I'll pull the pod and we'll use that as well. And I'll say, can we practice finding it here? And they might touch a different number. And instead of me correcting them and saying, no, I don't want to talk about that. I'll say, do you like that number? Do you want to try that number next? Because if I don't open it up for some conversation and I negate what they're telling me within that, whatever AAC they're using, I'm not hearing what they're trying to tell me. I have to stop and slow down. And there are times where you're really, you want to get through the content or you need to get your, your testing done. And mm -hmm. I will say, hey, I don't have time for that now. I'm going to make a note and I'll try and get back to that later. I'm not super at that every time when things are going sideways, but that way I can get through what I need to. And then I can hopefully get back to asking what they want to talk about. Right. Um, and another thing we learned years ago with, that worked really well for that is if you're doing an activity and the teacher's up front, um, the staff learn, and it's something I have to work on my new staff with, to do contingent comments. So they would help the kids navigate as I was talking about something. So they're modeling the navigation. And for those of you that don't know POD, it is a partner-assisted navigation. So the staff turns the pages. The kids can sit and point to pictures. And as long as the staff, when they're sitting with that kid, is talking quietly to them, and it's kind of related to content, that's great conversation. That's great communication. The staff member can then raise their hand and say, so-and-so told me something. And they can review what it was that the kid said. And we can again get back to, oh, well, I like how you told me about that. Thanks so much. Even if it's not totally related, that's sincere communication. They felt like they were a part of what we were doing. And my, my son loves to what he calls rabbit hole and he'll come up with a thought, but then he'll go seven different steps, dip, you know, sideways in his head mm -hmm. and he'll pop out with something else. You know, our kids do that too. Right. So how they get from point A to point B might be hard for us to know, but for them, there was a correlation and they want to tell me, or it's just their favorite thing on the planet. And they want to talk about that too. Mm -hmm. So we got to give them the space and the opportunity to talk about what they love, not just what we want to drill and kill in their heads. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I know you said you, you, I know you had a really good staff and now you had some turnover in paraeducator. And so um, I, I and, and this doesn't have to be recent. This could be in any time in your career. Did you, uh, have you ever experienced a paraeducator or a, a, another adult? It could be a parent too, that um, is just feeling like, well, I don't know if this, I don't know if they're doing this on purpose. I don't know if they're meant to do it. I don't know if they know what's going on. Do you, do you have the naysayers? Um, oh, yeah. Okay. And how do you handle that? I try and show it's not the case. I'll take that kid for a little while, or I'll do something else with them, or I'll bring up a scenario in which I anticipate it's going to work to try and get that level of, because once they demonstrate it, they're like, holy cow. I had a lot of that during COVID actually, because I had a couple of kids that first year was that, that March to June was difficult, but that next year I had one group and then I kept a couple of them and did virtual instruction for that whole year. And I had a mom who I had for years and years. And she said, you know, you always wrote these IEPs and you told me you could do this stuff. And I thought you might've been a little crazy. I had a very good relationship with this mom. He can totally do all of it if I just have the tools and I try all the stuff. And she awesome. and I would spend an hour or two a day on the computer on a regular basis, practicing and doing with this child all the different things that I had done at home. Wow. Yeah. And she finally went, it's really all there. It's just how do I have all that stuff? And she learned a lot about prep and a lot about how to have things available, what he liked and what he didn't. 
you know, and I found her sounding like me a whole lot. She channeled a lot of Miss April by the time. Well, you made some really nice, you made some nice videos and and things like that for your families during that time. So I can see how that might have worked out. Yeah. April, I I think something that I'm thinking about with buy-in and you mentioned before was buy-in from your admin. And I I remember talking to um, hearing from another teacher who said I need or actually an SLP, I think it was, said, I need that buy-in because obviously their heart's in it. They're they're doing this for the same reason we are. We love kids. But when I say, hey, I need a color access to a color printer because I need to make XYZ communication boards, they know now oh, I know why you need that because I'm I'm part of your plan. I've heard you talk about these students. I know what your plan is. So you mentioned that you tie it into your TPEP goals, but what does that do for you? It doesn't necessarily help with like access to a color printer, but what it does is it gives me, number one, if I'm going to pick one thing I want to do for the year, especially if you're doing a comprehensive year on, on TPEP. So you have a small group goal, you have a whole group goal, and you have a community and or learning goal. If you're going to do AAC, I did this when I did, incorporated the district writing curriculum. I did this the year I started core. I did this the year we started pod. I'm going to pick that one thing for the year because I know I'm going to have bandwidth, especially if I'm trying to learn something new that's hard, complicated, or a lot of work. I'm going to model that. My admin is coming in to watch me. My parents are coming in and my paras are coming in. So if I look at that C8 goal where it's the collaboration goal. I've got my admin, I've got parents, and I've got my para staff who are all helping to support that goal. And it kind of gives you permission to spend time doing that. It absolutely does because it gives me the time and I can use those Fridays or I can use before and after school times. I can call meetings and we can go through some of that stuff. And then I can bring admin in and I can show them how I do a lesson when I've got the tools that I need or how, because I didn't have a document camera for the first month and a half of school this fall. And y'all, that was not working for me. I mean, it was, my head was going to pop off. And I remember that that, um, our tech person for this region finally brought me the brand new one out of the trunk of his car because he was watching me. He'd been in my room enough times to know it's not working for you. And he brought me one and I started going anyway. Oh, there it is. That's what I'm used to seeing when it comes. So mm-hmm. part of it is if I'm doing it consistently and I can show it, then when people come in and they can see these things happening, they're like, oh, I get it. So do you, do you also invite your principal into your classroom? I have new admin this year for the first time in quite a few years. And so he is learning a lot being in our classroom this year. It's not been best fall, um, but it's getting better. So yeah, I'll bring them in and I'll show those things. And if we have people come in, they'll watch and go, how did you, what did you, what is that? How did you do that? And it's kind of been the soapbox I want to end my career on over the last dozen years or so that everything will get better if your kids can communicate, mm-hmm. not just in speech, but in class. And so, so what about when, um, I remember, so I think this is probably when core was going to be your, your big focus, right? You probably yeah. did that in GPEP. I remember something about, I'm thinking about parents now. Um, when you had them come in for conferences, you talked about it there. What did that did. look like? I, would ha- I, I make core pages available for every parent. Um, I send them home every year. I have currently, I talked to a family yesterday and I've got a kiddo who needs them a little bit bigger. So we're going to blow it up um, and make tear off ones for his house um, simply because he needs a bigger level. Uh, they watched how we took big 
like four by four PCS images on his desk to start making requests. And he went from doing two last year to now he's at four, but he's also looking for four different words on our core vocabulary page that are not those. Um, so we're seeing his vocabulary increase. We're seeing his attempts at eye contact with the material increase and we're seeing his attempts at pointing increase. So his parents and I were on Zoom yesterday for his conference talking about it. And we talked about making it a little bit bigger where we think they should put it in the house. And when the parents come in, I'll talk to them. I'll use whole sentences where I'm modeling just using the core and I'll slow down again because I talk fast when I do this stuff anymore. Um, or I'll model, like we do a circle time in the morning and I'll teach the kids practice core phrases. Um, do it again, or I like it, or I have, or you know, all the different things that we can do because then they learn to use those. So once they've done it with me, I can have them go home and play a game with their parents and say, can you ask to do it again? Um, yeah, so AAC, little, little, yeah. So AAC is a big part of your parent conferences. It's part of your parent training. Basically, what I'm hearing, it's a really big part of your life in your class, and so everything. Yeah, I've actually even said, I've even sent the iPads home for the weekend, and one of my favorite things to tell parents to do because it is very intimidating. You look at that thing, and it's a multi-layered, multi-level tool and you hand it to them. They're like, what am I supposed to do with this? I said, wait till the kids go to bed and you guys try and have a five minute conversation. Be safe, be with your, 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 your other or someone in your home and don't use words, just use this. And if you feel dumb, that's okay. Cause you don't have to know where everything is. You can't even remember the words when you are a, a verbal communicator half the time. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. but you practice. And the only way to learn how to navigate it is to throw yourself out there and trap. So do it again in a safe space where you feel like you can, or practice a couple of scenarios where you want to use it with your kid first, and then add another one. Pick one thing. So what kind of response one. do you get? They how does that work it. out? They liked it. I had a couple of parents come back and go, I thought you were a little crazy, but it worked. I actually am okay trying to find things and I'll teach them things right away. If they're using something like touch chat, I'll teach them how, where the find word search is, right? So that they can practice real, you know, easy tools to help them feel more comfortable or cut down and not do the 42 cell. I'll do the 25 or the 15, um, just to give them a chance to make themselves familiar with it. Same thing with pod. We'll do some things where I'll, we'll be practicing navigation. And I'll show it my way and somebody else might do it a different way because I'll say, try a different pathway. I'm telling you, I want to do an activity, you know, all the different ways you can go do it just to try. And I remember when we first started as a class years ago, um, and it was, we were trying to be safe. One of the things that, that Barb did in order to help some of our staff that got really anxious about practicing was she would give them a phrase or something that they were going to practice saying, and they could have a couple of minutes to just kind of explore and practice before they got put on the spot. Um, because you also have to take into account people's comfort level. Right. Um, right. You know, and when you're working with your staff, would you like to talk about it now? Or would you like to talk about it later? What is your comfort? Right. So mm -hmm. I can meet you where you are. And most often after a while, they start flourishing and they're like, Hey, I found this or Hey, did you know this is here? Cause they start be, knowing it's okay to try, even if it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. 
I have mm-hmm. one question for you. I know inclusion is big and um, kids are in general ed classrooms or at least having those opportunities. Are you using any specific strategies for buy-in for students going into general ed classrooms? My kids are not right now. The classroom is not one that is it's safe at this point to go, but I can tell you that in past years, some of the best buy-in I got was from kids watching my students navigate and have conversations with me without any words being spoken by the students. Uh, I remember sitting at fifth grade camp with a pod and we were listening to some of the camp counselors do a play. And my student was sitting with me with all the other kids um, and he was getting a little distracted. And so we just started having little conversations about the things that were happening up there. And everybody around us, even though I was trying to be really quiet, was watching what we were doing because they were super interested in the fact that we were having a full conversation Mm -hmm. using this book. Uh, I've had the same thing when I'll go in. I had another student who would go into a classroom and participate in reading instruction. And so we would help the navigation to practice and comment within the the device because this kiddo had a a voice output device. Um, And all the other kids think it's the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. to watch that and to know they're like, Hey, he can do that. I'm like, yeah, we can do a whole lot of stuff. We can mm-hmm. read, we can do all these things. And we don't have a voice that comes out of our mouth. So we use this voice instead. And like, no fair. I want one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it'd be cool, but you have your voice. I can help you learn how to do it for this person. Yeah, but I love the that idea that the buy-in from other students is, is what's easy. So go start there. I mm-hmm. found that the easiest way to get kids to buy in is to talk about, well, and I always use nice or neutral. You can be nice or you can be neutral, but you can't be mean. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. Um, and I can show you a lot of things that we're able to do that you probably didn't know. And then they just think it's fantastic. Yeah. Like, you do all that stuff. Yep. Looks different than yours, but we still do all that learning here at school. They, mm-hmm. they get excited about it. It's the same reason we're, just about ready to get our orders done because we're going to have those core vocabulary boards put on every playground in the district. We got a little bit of a, you know, a pause, but it's still going to happen. And then we're going to have some videos and things going out um, because it's great for our multilingual learners. It's great for a whole lot of people within our community. Yeah. Um, Not just our life school kids. Okay, so April, we're ending every podcast because this series is all about another perspective. Mm -hmm. So um, every podcast we're ending asking, what do you want people to know about you? Um, And in this case, as a teacher um, and as as a teacher working with kids who is an AAC. Most of the people here are used to this. This this is the thing that means the most to me. Mm-hmm. I probably spent a dozen years teaching and I felt guilt for a lot of it when I finally really truly understood what I could give my students if I worked on providing that voice in all of their different learning environments. It's, it's the hill I wanted to stay on for the rest of my career. Um, communication isn't going to happen if it's only taught in isolation and it's not going to happen if they're only taught 60 minutes a week. So I need to learn what I can and I need to do it as much as I can um, for myself and for my kids and for the staff that is watching. I can tell you that I've actually taught my music teacher now knows how to pod. She's using BoardMaker to create her visuals for our classroom. 
And she wants to download chat editor onto her interactive screen so that she can then use it with the kids. I mean, once people come in and they see the power in what we're doing, they're Mm -hmm. like, yep, this is it. This is what I want to do. And so if you can, and start small. I didn't start with all of this. I started with one thing and I was totally overwhelmed by that one thing for a while. Then I thought, okay, let's try something else because I'm just that way. Um, so I will put out all the things and try all the things. It takes time to get there and it takes reconsidering and it takes, what am I missing right now? And it takes repair even among in yourself to get to what you really want to be doing. Thank you, April. And you're the teacher and you're talking about the teacher. So it can be anyone on the team, right? That's, it can be anyone on the team. And the more you talk about the benefit to it, with your whole team, the more it helps. Our, our therapists walk in and they know exactly how to pod and how to do these things with the kids and they will always refer to it. So um, I put my email in the chat if people have questions. Thank um, you. Sorry, this but, is just I how mean, I get. But the biggest way to get buy-in is to show your own passion. And I think that's what you do all the time, clearly on the sleeve is where you're wearing, how you feel about it. And yeah. I think people say that, you know, it's like, if you're teaching what you love, if you are teaching what you're passionate about, people want to, people want to jump into that. It's, it's contagious. And you feel like you're making a difference. Yeah. And that to me is the most important. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much Thank for coming you. on. Yep. Anytime. Yes. All right. Thanks you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Thanks April. You're welcome. Thanks for Thank joining you. our podcast today, everybody. We love having you here.